10 years ago, we got the news that Ben Darwin, composer, producer, and keyboardist, was moving from his Portland birthplace to Los Angeles. He had been a part of a flowering of young jazz musicians coming out of college in the early 2000s. The other part of the news was that he was going to be playing with a pop band. He's with me now at the Artichoke Cafe because he's going to have his first Portland gig in eight years on Tuesday, November 21 at Mississippi Studios for an evening of what he calls high energy jazz. Great news. We've got some story to fill in here. Ben, it's been a long time. Yeah, it has been. You left town when? Uh, 2015. So it's been at least that long. Yeah. That's a long time. Yeah, it's been about probably close to 10 years. Wow. Yeah. Well, do you come back to town now and then, don't you? I do come back to town now and then i just pop in to uh, you know shows here and there Uh check it out but i don't you know i'm trying to be more involved um when i'm when i moved to la it was kind of a whirlwind of hustling and just trying to make a living and Uh all of that um and also tour a lot lots of touring too Uh um and i actually toured through basically the beginning of the pandemic and then the pandemic of course so so you know there's a lot been a big chunks of time um, sort of missing for me to be able to like reintegrate myself in the Portland scene. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But lately I've been coming up here with more purpose to, you know, actually spend more time mm-hmm. instead of just flying in and flying out, you know, seeing people, seeing shows. Um, and now I'm performing again in Portland, which I haven't done since I left basically. That's great. That's great. Yeah. So let's, I don't think I, I've had, I ever had a chance to talk to you about, you know, what went into, uh, your big move, but before we get before we get there, let's talk about the gig. So let's okay. get the gig up, gig up here at the top. Yeah, close to the top. And where and where and when? Uh, Tuesday, November twenty first. Uh, mm-hmm. That's Tuesday at Mississippi Studios. Mm-hmm. It's my band um, playing a lot of new music. Um, I've been singing more. Uh, it still has lots of jazz influence, but it's lots of groove stuff and. Mm-hmm. Um, r&b stuff and it's um so in that vein and then uh cyrus navapur is opening with his quintet mm-hmm. and i'm bringing up um an incredible vocalist uh and bassist tonina from la who's mm-hmm. opening a, sh- a solo set up top and then she's also performing with my band too and who's in your band my band's going to be tonina as mentioned julia mm-hmm. Logue on vocals who's mm-hmm. an incredible local vocalist who moved to town kind of recently mm-hmm. um uh peter knudsen's sitting in on ah. guitar mm-hmm. Corey lamaco's on drums sam arnold on bass so it's some members of greater kind um and i think sam sam arnold plays with them a lot in different mm-hmm. configurations i love greater kind yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's so. terrific charlie brown and all those people yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. so it's greater kind with me instead of Trump. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's all my music, so it's totally different anyways. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, that'll be fun. It's my first show back, you know, in like eight years, headlining. That's amazing. Least, so That's great. Welcome yeah. back. Thank you. Feels Welcome good. Back. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm yeah. glad about that. Yeah, uh, it feels good. Um, so, um, so, all right, well, so I don't know that at least in Oregon Music News, or in my own knowledge, about why you sort of changed up genres and left town. Yeah. Well, what's, what is that story? Um, I wouldn't necessarily lead with the genre changing. I've always 
I've always done different genres yeah. and I've always yeah. explored. And I think for me, I was hitting jazz really hard yes. and I got a little burned out on jazz, like pure uh, jazz, uh-huh. but I've always continued to play jazz in various forms, you know, um, even when I'm doing a, like technically what you might consider another type of music, there's always jazz in there. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and I'm exploring jazz deeper now again. So are you in what way? Um, just, I mean, even last night I downloaded a bunch of old albums that I used to listen to a lot and just, huh. um, for instance, uh, just lots of classics. Mingus, uh, um, uh-huh. um, uh-huh. Uh-huh. now he sings, now he sobs, Chikoria. Wow. Um, Huh. Bill Evans, you know, some Bill Evans, some hard uh, to go wrong with Bill Evans. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, and I didn't, you know, never TD miles, which, yeah, yeah. you know, I've probably worn that record out, but I just, yeah. you know, wanted to reinvigorate my love of jazz. Uh-huh. You know, I just, sometimes I realize I don't listen to a lot of music. I'll just drive in the car with nothing a yeah. lot of the time. Yeah. But then when I see these albums that I used to love, so much I can always listen to these albums, these jazz albums, these classic jazz albums. There's mm-hmm. no time when I won't really enjoy it. Whereas other yeah. stuff, some vocal stuff or certain other kinds of albums, I might have to be in the mood. But yeah. all those albums I mentioned, you know, I'll pretty much listen to them anytime. It's funny. Um, I had Charlie Brown in here one time for, for uh, to, to to be on the podcast, and you know, he's the he's he's the young cat right now. Mm-hmm. And I asked him who was you know about his influences, and he said number one. Oscar Peterson. Mm. And I went, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't expect to hear that, you know? Yeah. I mean, he was, he, I definitely wore out some Oscar, Oscar Peterson records for yeah. quite a while, but uh-huh. I wouldn't consider him one of my biggest influences because I um, didn't do a lot of like transcribing of yeah. this stuff. Yeah. You know, I did more transcribing of like Herbie and uh-huh. Chick and uh-huh. Keith and yeah. Bill Evans, you know, yeah. but um, I love, Oscar Peterson personally. Sure. Um, sure. Yeah. Yeah, I just saw I, I just saw a uh, video of him and and um Count Basie. And Count Basie was actually was actually playing some stuff. Wow. <laughs> he wasn't just doing three notes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Nice. But not with the orchestra, just him. He had a band. Oh, okay. bass and drums. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice. And the two of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but the, you know, they they definitely you know, you did de-emphasize jazz. When you I mean, left town, um, didn't you? Well, I de-emphasized it because when I got to LA, I joined a pop touring act. Yeah. So it's not that I personally was the one de-emphasizing it. It was that I see. what I got wrapped into was a pop act that uh-huh. Uh-huh. paid me more money than I've made ever playing jazz in Portland. <laughs> so I'm going to take the gig. You yes. know what I mean? Absolutely. But it's not like the, my personal music is it's not like that shifted that much it's mostly that i kind of started exploring pop and sound design and production Mm -hmm. and that world which actually now really bringing all those elements back into the jazz is kind of creating what's the new sound and that's and it's also enabled me to record all my own music and produce all my own music Uh which is kind of needed right now you know it just gets so expensive um, to try to hire people and use the studio in general, which I would love to do that a lot of the times because yeah. I like to get live stuff. But, sure. but you know, if you have those skills to produce, that's, you know, I've been trying to get back to U of O to do a masterclass because I have a lot of like what I feel is like really important tips to some of these students. You know, it's uh-huh. like, 
produce your own shit. You know, that's, uh-huh. that would be like a major tip. Um, because, you know, once I got to LA, it's like I'm composing for commercial stuff and I'm sound designing synth stuff for the touring stuff, uh-huh. you know, touring and, you know, so that it's, it's having to kind of do it all yourself and being totally versatile. And, and that was my goal was to make a living doing it. And it's, it's been working, you know. Oh, I understand completely. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. there were, there was a time, although they don't do it anymore because uh, times have changed, but I would get calls from Inside Edition to go get video for them. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and I say, okay, where, when, I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> and I end up, end up, you know, getting really sleazy uh, tabloid stories. And, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Working that week. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, you want me to do a door knock? Sure. Full full producer pay? Yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, that still exists. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, it's, it's as you know, it's different in Portland as it right. is in a bigger city, you know. Oh, sure. So, um, you know, and that's, it was exciting and I got to tour the world. I, my first touring act was uh, Mike Posner, who... Mm-hmm. As I joined his band, he had previously had a hit song in like 2010 or something. But in 2015 or 16, when I joined the band, you know, I saw him basically. I saw the process of a song becoming a hit over Mm -hmm. six months. And that was really interesting to see because he wrote the song called I Took a Pill in Ibiza. And it was acoustic guitar song. And then someone remixed it. You know, the label wanted it to be more of like a pop yeah. song so they yeah. remixed it sent it to a different people um and then that song the remix became like i think it was number two on the radio uh-huh. you know it was a uh-huh. big huge song for two years yeah um it was the second biggest stream song on spotify in the world huh. after like a drake song you know so yeah right that that was really cool um and then you know it just took me around the world and really learn the industry more uh-huh. um and and what was cool about his band is is a lot of these pop acts used backing tracks um mm-hmm. he doesn't really do that like it was all live it was almost huh. more of a he he liked to model it all after almost like a e street type band but mm-hmm. it's a little different but you know we did have a sax player and it was a full live um sound basically mm-hmm. and we did use tracks for maybe three songs but most of the set was Mm-hmm. live so that was that was very cool um and yeah we just went all over the world for a couple of years and that was amazing i'll bet so what's the what's the best part of that um you know i think just meeting people is really cool yeah you know yeah. i mean i really think about being in australia very fondly because some of the people i met there were really amazing and the places we went we were in byron bay and Mm -hmm. gold coast like really beautiful places that had never been before expected that i would go to necessarily yeah yeah. um that was very cool you know we got to play at wembley stadium for uh Mm -hmm. they do these radio shows where they have like all the top hits you know and so we got to play at wembley sold out which was really cool just a you know just a couple songs but it was because they just kind of go through acts. Mm-hmm. But the experience itself was incredible, you know. Um, and uh, I did a bunch of TV shows, which was really fun. Just seeing, like, the behind-the-scenes stuff was sure. very cool, I would yeah. say. Like, yeah. seeing how it all operates, you know. Mm-hmm. It's one thing singing on TV, and then it's one thing, like, 
going into the studio and really seeing how all that stuff works. What a great learning experience. Yeah, it definitely was. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, and then also you, you find out stuff, and this is nothing specific about Mike's crew, but like stuff about the industry that you're like, uh-huh. oh, wow, this is how that works. They're, bi- you know, yeah. some people are basically paying. I mean, most people are like basically paying to get a hit or, right. you know, like it's a lot of like backdoor type deals. Yeah, that's to, nothing new. Nothing new, yeah. yeah. But I mean, it's, it's interesting to see that, you know, see that happen. Um, like have the behind the scenes look yeah. of like how that works, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. so that was a great learning experience and definitely made me a better musician in a certain way. Uh-huh. You know, lots of sound design, synth stuff, uh, technical stuff. I learned that uh-huh. producing and writing, just working with Mike writing, my songwriting got a lot better. Um, at the end of each show, he would do like a three to five minute long poem mm-hmm. that he would write that day and he would recited over music and it was really like incredible to see that mm. happen because mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. he just has this way with words and i don't even know how he would memorize it right every day you know yeah, yeah um but you know and he actually we released he released a record that was all the poems so wow you can check those out but uh-huh. it was pretty pretty um insightful to see like how like a really successful songwriter mm-hmm. operates mm-hmm. and most of the artists I've worked with are just grinding on tour, you know, and yeah. it's crazy to see that as well, you know, like right. getting up early, doing all the press all day yes, before going to sound check. And then, you know, I mean, it's just a full day. It's like, uh-huh. um, so it's interesting to see how that works and, you know, being on a bus and stuff. It's sure. fun. Sure. It's a fun sure. gig. Um, yeah. I worked at KCET for a long time, not a long time, but enough. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, the the TV station, the PBS station in Los Angeles. Mm. So how's LA treating you? It's good. There might be some changes. I don't want to say too much, <laughs> but there might be some changes coming up. Okay. Um, yeah. I so understand. I've been there for eight years. That's a long time to be in LA. Yeah, and you know it's good. It's mm-hmm. it's it's probably the most work. You know, if there's any musicians out there listening, it's the most work anywhere in the world right now. So oh. mm-hmm. you know it's worth it's worth taking the risk um there's just like a ton of different things you could do or fall Mm -hmm. into i think Mm -hmm. and everyone i've seen move down there from portland or most of the people have done somewhat you know pretty been pretty successful in getting work and Mm -hmm. making a living Mm -hmm. um so that's all good you know it's you know and then my complaints would be it's very spread out yeah every area is totally different vibe correct it's not very community oriented. No. So the, you know, these things are my complaints now as I get a little older. So, um, it's not my forever place, Mm -hmm. but it's been good to build, build up my chops and connections and, and actually start making a living with music. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, it took me a little while to get it going, but now I have a few things on the fire that are, are, are allowing me to like kind of do what I want. So that's partly why I'm coming up here and doing this show because I'm not necessarily doing it for the money. You know what I'm doing? It yeah. It's because yeah. I want to. So, yeah. um, well, good for you. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So yeah, it's uh, been a good, gonna, was a good decision. It was definitely a risk too. Sure. I remember I saved like 10 grand. Wow. And then in, it was gone in six months. Right. You know, right. It got money goes pretty quick down there. It sure does. So, 
fortunately like nine months in and then I borrowed some money from my friend for a couple months. Uh-huh. And then I think nine months in is when I got the Mike Posner gig, you know, nice. and these touring gigs, you know, they're paying well, like sure. know, weekly, although lately it's gone down, which is kind of weird to see, but huh. just because of the economic situation, yeah. um, I've seen it kind of, people try to offer a little less, but it's still yeah. like, it's still a very livable wage, you know, and yeah. depending on which artist you get with, you know, that yeah. some treat you better than others. So, you know. The only, pretty much the only equivalent to that right now in Portland, I guess, would be Gino Vanelli. Yeah, who I played with. I was going to ask you yeah. that. Well, that's, that's, that's what he did. Yeah. He always took the best players, the best jazz players. Yeah, yeah. You know? I filled in for, um, I guess I was filling in for Greg. Goble? Or was he after me? I can't remember. I'm or Dan Gaynor? Well, no, it was after that. But, oh, mm-hmm. um, And there was Randy... Porter, who's sure. my teacher, and I think Goldblatt's mm-hmm. done it or just doing mm-hmm. it. Anyways, I think I was filling in for Greg, but um, I only did two shows, but I still to this day is the most difficult show I've ever played. Really? Sure. Oh, yeah. Why? Uh, it's just, it's really demanding. I mean, huh. Gino can hear anything, <laughs> and he can also play piano as good as most of the pianists. <laughs> like, he can play his songs all on piano you know, and you can yeah. hear if you play one note in a chord. I mean, he's kind of famous for this, but I remember on the flight back, you know, we played uh, Thunder Bay, Ontario, mm-hmm. and then we played outside of Toronto, which was a huge show, actually, because that's like one of his biggest areas. Yeah. Um, and uh, I remember my, my fingers. I've never played a show where my fingers were sweating Jeez. on the keyboard. It's like that. <laughs> That type of pressure is what I was feeling, at least. Yeah. Anyways, on the on the flight back, I remember him saying there was this passage in like, um, living inside myself or something like that. One of his like power ballads. Yeah. And it's like both hands are going outwards on the piano, doing like big octave yeah. chord type yeah. things. Yeah. And he said, "Yeah, in this one chord, you played, you know, within that passage, he heard an E natural instead of an E flat." Wow. You know, and he'll tell you exactly what note you were playing within the chord wrong. I mean, he's wow. that level of kind of just genius. I mean, yeah. he can hear anything, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, yeah. and I, and famously, he has the piano loudest in his in-ear monitors, too. So, it's like he's really <laughs> listening to the pianist, I think. So, it's just, you know, it's one of those gigs. And the music is not easy, you know. And yeah. one of the songs was he sings in Italian. It's like a classical. Mm-hmm. And it's just solo piano and voice. And it's like four or five pages of classical music that you have to learn and memorize. So, Jeez. you know, it's it's that kind of a gig. And then there's other moments that are very high-level jazz-oriented mm-hmm. and weird mm-hmm. times and mm-hmm. signatures. and So, yeah, that's a very challenging gig. And as you know, the band's like, I don't know who's right currently, but it's like, you know, Reinhardt, Damien Erskine, right, right. you know, Jaybird. Like, yeah. I mean, the whole band's crushing. Um, so, yeah. So that's that was a that was a great experience. Um, yeah. The other person I played with in Portland I got to play with is Katie Lang. Oh, yeah. So that's another gig. I'm, I guess I'm just the fill-in person, but I filled in yeah, yeah. with her, and that was amazing. I also played a, a Canada gig. That mm-hmm. was after I moved to L.A. Mm-hmm. I had met her in Portland because I had a studio at Falcon Art Community. Mm-hmm. And she's a painter. And so she was actually coming to look at a studio for a painting. Huh. And Brian Wanamaker, the owner, he called me and he said, hey, I have someone coming in. Can you show her in the building? 
you know, she's looking at a studio. And he didn't tell me it was Katie Lang. So I went upstairs <laughs> and let her in. I was like, whoa, okay, hey, how's it going? You know, good to meet you. And then um, I was recommended to her by, I think, Nate Query or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I think he rec- recommended me. But um, uh, And then she actually ended up getting me on the gig to sub. I mean, she usually uses Larry Goldings, you know, and mm-hmm. like really powerhouse players. Um, but uh, she got me on the gig to sub, and uh, we played, um, what is it called? Uh, Halifax, Nova Scotia. Yeah. Which is a pretty amazing, like a house party, someone's party. <laughs> I think it's the richest person in Halifax or something. They get, <laughs> um, it's their holiday party. So we played a holiday party, just filled in. I was on tour with Mike Posner. I had three days in the middle of shows, flew back to LA from Boston, <laughs> rehearsed in LA with Katie Lang, flew from Katie Lang to Halif- with Katie Lang to Halifax, played the show, and then flew back to Boston to continue the tour. <laughs> so yeah, that was that was kind of quite an experience too. Wow. And her music's not easy either. Really? That's a very yeah. involved book huh. as well. Yeah. Huh. Huh. Um, so those are probably the two bigger acts. Some some a couple of the bigger acts. Mm-hmm in portland mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but i know there's de- there's definitely others um but back then i mean uh, you know, when i first got to town in 97 there was this whole bunch of young players coming up and you were one of them and i just like i wrote i did a lot of writing about them you and andy andy mm-hmm. oliver and yeah and uh you know mary sue and the quadraphones and, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, all the rest of them and it was a it was a dusty york yeah you know um who turned out to be my baseball buddy oh really he's yeah. a huge orioles fan oh nice <laughs> great and but but you know then it's then it started to sort of break down you left town mm-hmm. uh a- andy moved to uh england yeah, yeah uh dusty sold his horn yeah, yeah and he's yeah. doing stand-up in new york now yeah yeah yeah. and uh so it was it was it was it was it was disappointing to 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 fans Mm-hmm. You know, because you you know not gonna go see you any can't not gonna be able to go see you anymore, right? And and, and all these other musicians you know who were, we who we sort of saw come up mm-hmm. and develop and and loved, uh, but uh, so that's that's one reason why it's great to see you back. Oh, thank you. Because yeah. you know you were missed. There's no mm-hmm. question about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, uh, I know it's been forever now that since 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 you since you you pl- you, pl- you really performed here, mm-hmm. and it's just great to see you back. Thank you. Appreciate it. It feels yeah. good to be back. You know, it's like, I think it'll be feel really good performing on stage next on Tuesday. Yeah. And, you know, I've definitely missed it. And it's just, it's getting caught in the hustle of just living and trying to make a living. Sure. You know? So sure. that's really the only reason why I wasn't doing it. Uh, putting yeah. together a band. We just did this in LA. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was an amazing show at Gold Diggers in LA. And I had an LA band, but just putting together a show a ton of work and my music mm-hmm. my music's not easy and i don't want it to be mm-hmm. just one rehearsal throw and go sort of vibe you know i yeah. want it to be like really well learned some of the vocal parts with the vocalist is not easy it's very involved mm-hmm. so you know that's the goal here and and if i have to pay out of pocket which i know in la i actually ended up losing money but it was wow. still a sold out show and <laughs> an amazing show but i i rehearse people mo- more than needed it if anything you know and i'll pay them whatever it takes basically to make the show happen and make the show as good as possible so uh-huh. that's uh-huh. you know that's mostly why and i've been focusing on it. it's a ton of work for me to focus on it and sure. compare everything so 
that's mainly the reason why I haven't done it. You know, it's just a lot of work, you know? Yeah. Um, but I'm ready, um, to do it now. And, um, you know, I've been, I have a lot of irons in the fire. Is that the Mm -hmm. saying? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I have a couple projects. I have this project called Arcada, which is solo piano, mm-hmm. and Subtle Lake, which is ambient music. And these projects that are actually doing really well on certain platforms. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm able to kind of now. And then I do musical directing for different artists. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've done these. These things, um, all combined, are kind of helping me make a living where I can then start to focus on my own music now as well. Huh. So that's yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So that's basically why I'm able to do this. And I wanted to start playing more in Portland, you know? Yeah, I understand. So are you, are you recording this band? Um, this, no, uh, not doing that this time. But well, I don't mean, I don't mean at this gig, but are, are, are you, you working on some recordings with them? Um, no, not with this band. I've okay. actually never played with Corey wow. or Sam. Huh. So basically we're going to get together. We do have a couple of rehearsals, which is great, but, um, that's going to rehearsals the first time I've ever heard them play this music. So, you know, I know they're great musicians, but you know, when I get to get someone in the studio, I just want to have an idea of their plan first and stuff. So yeah, maybe eventually, but in general, I've been like just producing everything myself, Mm -hmm. all the recordings. I have a song coming out on Tuesday as well. And all the, all the recordings I'm doing, uh, the last couple singles I released, it's all, it's all produced it's all programmed stuff Mm -hmm. even if it sounds like real drums and you know Mm -hmm. it's still me taking samples and moving stuff around and Mm -hmm. doing all that so Mm -hmm. i did i was just in new york and i recorded a really amazing drummer uh david frazier who's gonna be on a couple songs i think but Mm -hmm. but um you know i'll be doing that here and there for sure Mm -hmm. uh but you know to get a band in the studio and record a band in a studio that's a thousand two hundred two thousand bucks or something yeah, yeah if you're paying people decently and paying for the studio and mm-hmm. paying an engineer it's easily over two grand right so a lot of that isn't just quite as worth it now you know unless you're in the band and they're friends of you and everyone's doing it for free but yeah you know i i've always wanted to treat people well i don't feel good if i'm trying to pull favors you know that's always that's the other reason why i haven't done a lot of shows because i want to pay people what i think yeah. their worth and yeah you know there's a lot of people in la that have money and still try to pull f- tons of favors and uh, yeah. you know it's not yeah. very respectable to me to do uh-huh. that uh-huh. so you know hmm. that's just how i operate good yeah good yeah good um so you have they 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 have when, when you when you go into rehearsal they 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 you've given them the music beforehand right yeah so I'm pretty very organized about that so yeah yeah I recorded the last gig uh-huh. you know and then also some songs I have charts for because they have a lot of chords in them mm-hmm. um I have I had phone conversations with everyone going through all the music I mean I'm mm-hmm. like overly if anything they're annoyed with me about <laughs> it you know because I'm checking in I'm going you're learning the music right because I've yeah. had so many situations where you show up to rehearsal and they're like, oh, I haven't really listened to it. And it's like, oh, geez. this music's tough. And yeah, you can't yeah. just, and that, and then it wastes everyone else's time. So fortunately this band is really on top of it. Um, and I know they're all great musicians, but in addition to that, they're learning the music, which is great. But right. 
you know, I'm, if anything, I'm annoying. So because <laughs> of that, that's why I, I pay people for, to rehearse, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. which a lot of people yeah. don't even do that. But if we're doing yeah. two rehearsals, I'm going to pay them for that extra rehearsal, right. you know, right. um, just because it's unfair for me to ask so much. That's the thing about gigs. It's like you do a gig, say it's 150, 200 bucks, but then they give you 15 songs to learn. You're spending right. all week learning it, and then they expect yeah. you to come into a rehearsal. Right. You know, this is the hustle, you know, that a yeah. lot of people don't realize. That's this is what musicians go through. And um, there's people in L.A. that have gotten so good at it that they can kind of almost just listen to music on the way to the rehearsal wow. or the gig yeah. and kind of just, like, internalize it and have really big ears and can do that. Are but you like that? I, I wouldn't say I am because I don't do the local. I've never done the local gig thing. Ah, it's just gotcha. too much of a schlep for me. It's not yeah. worth it. You know, yeah, yeah. I would love to be that better in that sense, but uh -huh. I also don't want to spend all my time learning other people's musics for one gig uh -huh. here and there, Yeah, which yeah. is kind of the vibe of that. Um, yeah. For bands that play more often, that makes more sense. If you have a regular weekly or yeah. monthly or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I've kind of avoided that in LA. And I avoided it. To be honest, I avoided it in Portland too. I would play some gigs. Yes. But I was never that guy playing three gigs a week. No. With no. everyone, or you know, or right. more with whoever calls me. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. You're originally from Portland, though, aren't you? Yeah. I was yeah. Born and raised here, and yeah. And then I went to U of O. Yep. Um, and then yeah, and then I basically went to L.A. I mean, I, I couldn't. I looked at some music schools and stuff. Couldn't really afford them. Mm -hmm. You know, I went to Mount Hood for two years. That was a huge, that was a big thing for me because I studied mm -hmm. with Randy Porter when I was at Mount Hood. That's amazing. And that was really big. And what actually, was that? What was that like? It was amazing. Um, yeah. Even before that, just to mention, I also went to Northwest Academy. Oh yeah. Actually, and Esperanza was there at the time. Uh -huh. and, um, Greg McKelvey and Greg Hall and sure. You know, that was really great too. But then. I got to call, I got to Mount Hood. I didn't get in either of the jazz bands when I got to Mount Hood. Wow. So there's jazz band one, jazz band two. I didn't get in either one. So Why not? Because they're good. It's great Jeez. players out there. I mean, you uh -huh. know, and I think they're rebuilding the music, the music program now. But, uh -huh. you know, there was really good players. And then the second jazz band pianist was pissed he didn't get in the first band. <laughs> so we just quit. And so then I just got in the second band by default. <laughs> and, then, and then I challenged, after the first year, I challenged in the first band. They did a blind challenge. Uh -huh. And then I got into the first band. Wow. Um, and I did the same thing at U of O. Then I went to U of O. I didn't get into the first band. Huh. And then after the first year, I challenged in to the first band. So huh. this has been, it's, it's, it's having that competitive nature yeah. that's helped me. And having people around me that can push me, mm -hmm. that's helped me grow and just get better and, and get you know, get kind of a leg up on, on is gigs and all that. Is stuff. Randy Porter the kind of, of teacher who pushes? He, I wouldn't say he's that kind of teacher. He does push, uh -huh. but it's almost, he, he invites you to push yourself huh. in ways that his exercises are so f kind of fun in a way and uh -huh. curious and, um, engaging that then it makes you want to go home and practice these exercises. Like he's got these just, you know, um, he's got these exercises that are very like, they feel like games. Really? So, you know, rhythmic exercises and just 
kind of taking i forgot what he calls it but it's taking like the omni book the charlie parker stuff uh-huh. and uh-huh. almost cannibalizing it into something else and uh-huh. and the way that he describes it and the way that he sh- exam gives you examples is very inspiring because he's you uh-huh. know world world class sure. jazz pianist so sure. um he's that kind of teacher i wouldn't say he's ever really hard in a way that he ex- uh-huh. he's like you got to do this you got to do that but he uh-huh. definitely will come in and kind of expect you to hit a certain level. I mean, I always mm-hmm. would just push myself to come in and be like, yeah, you know, um, you know, hopefully impress him in a way. Or, now, know. do you find yourself using his methods when you teach? I haven't been teaching as much lately, but mm-hmm. I've, I've used some of his methods, mm-hmm. I think. Um, I, I studied with Toby Koenigsberg at U of O, mm-hmm. who's amazing as well, and he... I would say is the opposite of Randy. Randy's mm-hmm. more throw and go. He's got some really cool exercises, but he's not as organized. Mm-hmm. Toby's like, if anything, overly organized. And he, <laughs> you'll spend three months on a solo piano, Bill Evans transcription, which I did Jeez. in college. And it was like, you know, 12 pages that I had to write out, you know? Oh my God. And so that's, that was extremely helpful, but it's different. Uh-huh. It, it served a different purpose. So that uh-huh. was, for me, it was a very good combination of those two teachers. Yeah. And yeah, I used some of that stuff. Um, I've also taken, I took one lesson with Daniela Perez, which I mm-hmm. think about a lot of the stuff he said as well. Really? That's a totally different approach too. That's like, huh. it's almost spiritual huh. and all about hearing and singing and huh. all that kind of stuff. So, uh-huh. You know, I mean, I, I, I don't, I haven't been teaching lately, but I do have one student at NYU who I talk to like every week. And I just, for me, it's really important to maximize the usage of the, my time. Mm-hmm. And teaching is great, but I just, there's certain things, it's easy to get really spread thin with music and do everything. Mm-hmm. And I already do that. So there's certain things I just have to cut out and, and teaching is mm-hmm. one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm always down to give people a lesson here and there. Uh-huh. But if, if it's like a weekly, I just don't have the time at this point. Wow. Um, so, yeah. But, I mean, right now I'm getting really way more interested in getting more academic about getting better at jazz again and really getting my head into the songs and the soloing and all huh. that. So How do you do that? It's a lot of listening. Yeah. You know, that's why I downloaded these albums because the best players – really are just transcribing solos and chords and uh-huh. and that's a, that's that will get you better the fastest i think you can practice as many as many s- scales and patterns as you want but if you don't have the vocabulary and the feel it's not going to sound very good so when you do transcriptions you get the feel from the player and you get really melodic vocabulary usually mm-hmm. depending on who it mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. and so that's worth its weight in gold i mean you know there's a lot of people who have famously like randy porter for example he'll teach you that you can pretty much play any note but as long as it's in a really good rhythm mm-hmm. it's gonna sound fine it's gonna sound mm. good like he'll just mm. play gibberish like garbage <laughs> but he'll play it really rhythmically mm-hmm. you know swinging or whatever it is and that's a point that he really drives to his students. Like mm. rhythm is more important than note no choice in a lot of cases. So, um, was piano your first instrument? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was when I was, and my mom got me a piano when I was five or six. 
Wow, how does she know that that you that, that you she should do that? I don't know, but I I definitely didn't fall into it like the whole time growing up. I went into guitar, mm-hmm. started studying with Tracy Kim. Really? I went into drums, started studying with Don Worth uh Jr. and mm. uh you know, I've that helped me too, but I I just and I've always studied piano throughout that, but I might have mm-hmm. gone like every other week on piano and then started because I wanted to be in a rock band or something. And I felt like guitar you? and drums, huh. you couldn't play keyboards in that kind of a band, you know? So, yeah, yeah. So that's, yeah, I was big into like Jimi Hendrix and that kind of stuff when I was uh-huh. in middle school, high school. Uh-huh. Um, huh. So, you know, that helped me, but I always came back to piano and I'm glad I did. I think it's definitely the most useful for composing and writing and mm-hmm. and you can do everything on it you can play solo you know sure so i'm glad i'm back just playing piano and and i've really worked on my voice as well so that's something yeah. that yeah if you come to the show on tuesday you'll, you'll mm-hmm. hear that as well yeah. so yeah. um those are my two main focuses right now well, we're glad you're back in Portland. Thank you so much. It's great to see you. Appreciate it. Good to see you yeah, too. I yeah. mean, it's uh, um, there, there was a, there was definitely a hole mm-hmm. created when you left because you had you had uh, you know you had a lot of followers and a lot of fans who appreciated you and mm-hmm. you know they all went to the Mission Theater for the, that series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was fun. I mean, I hope to get them back. You know, I mean, this is my my point is to hopefully play you know, at least a couple a year or more, yeah. you know, that's good. What I can, you know, so, yeah. Um, that's the goal here. And yeah, you know, we'll just keep it going. Did you ever record for Dianic? Yeah. So my I thought first, you, I thought so. Maybe my first two, but, uh, my first record, um, uh, industrial hero, 2006, uh-huh. Uh-huh. I believe yeah. that was with the, my trio, Drew Scholes and Zach Walmark. And oh man, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. And I remember we did two, not one, but two release parties. Uh-huh. One was at Jimmy Max and one was at Blue Monk on the huh. same weekend, and they were both sold out. It's huh. great. Why not? And I was like, this is crazy. Yeah. Because there was a moment there in the early to mid-2000s where uh-huh. people were really seeing jazz like crazy. Sure. Wasn't Commotion your band? Yeah, that was another one, too. Yeah. That was like the funk stuff. Right. Um, and then right. I did those tributes. I played that on the radio. Yeah. So, And I was with like... Chris Mosley and Dan Duvall and Russ Kleiner and those guys, Damian Erskine. And, those guys, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, these that was and full horns and sure. So that was super fun too. But um, that was a great band. I had a bunch of different, you know, yeah, bunch of different things. But yeah, uh, yeah. and then I had uh, Morning Ritual with the Shook Twins. That was my other project. Sure. So sure. Um. So yeah, that you know, it's uh, it's good to be back and. And really dig back into the Portland scene. And That's great. Great to yeah. see you. Yeah, good to see you too. Thanks for having yeah, me. Sure. Well, look, um, all the pertinent information is on the page here mm-hmm. in front of you as you're looking, not you, but the per- listeners, mm-hmm. listeners who are, are looking at the page. If they are, look, look at the page, for Christ's mm-hmm. sake. Anyway, there's lots of links there, and uh, send you, the, where you where you can get tickets and Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Really, and as we like, we like to close these things by saying, "That's entertainment." <laughs>